Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together. I am pleased to be bringing you this new episode of the podcast. Uh, there's a new one every week, as many of you well know. Uh, someone said to me the other day, Do you know, I just stumbled across your podcast. And a stumble is just as nice as a find, as a look, as a search. However you've come across it, I'm glad you're here. And uh, it's a creative conversation every week, a long-form interview. And this week, my guest is Neshla Kaplan, the actor who has been in many, many things you might have seen. Um, the Choir, The Sunshine on Leith, recent national tour, massive production, and she talks at length about that. Uh, and, and many other things, including Adam, which we talked about with Rihanna McDonald just a couple of weeks back. Uh, Neshla was in the original cast of that, so a different perspective again. Great stuff and a good pal of mine. So it was nice to have a wee chat and uh, talk about how she puts it together because that's what we do. So I'm in uh, tech now for Telt, which is the Toonspeak show, the summer show that we've put together. I've been designing the sound and composing the music. And it's at Tron this weekend. So we're, we've just started the tech this evening, really. Um, managed to get away just in time to uh, get the podcast out to you as usual. And it's nice being back at the Tron, that's where I did the live Putting It Together show. Uh, that was episode number 25, if you want to go back and, and hear it. It's a live show with a, with a studio audience, as it were. Johnny McKnight and Anita Vitesse were there, and they were my guests, and it was it was a great evening spent. So, yes, uh, I worked with Nestle, who's the guest today on, on the Arabian Nights, and that's how we met. And uh, we we had lots of backstage time together. We, you know, sometimes you're in a show and you meet the same person on your track uh, every day at the same spot. And uh, we had lots of crossovers, so we would solve the problems of the world every day, two shows a day, uh, chatting away. Of course, very quietly and very, very respectfully. So, yeah, Nesla's got a great attitude to her work and a great approach to her craft. And it was so nice to just get you of insight into that and how much it means to her and what brought her to the, to the point she's at today. That's what it's all about. So, I won't keep you too long because I'm going to introduce you to me and my guest, Nesla Kaplan. And we are putting it together. So you're back from Sunshine on Leith. Yes. How many months did you do it? In total, nearly four. But you d it wasn't solely a tour, was it? You had a longer time... We were 11 weeks in Leeds. So we rehearsed, yeah, 11 weeks in Leeds and then six weeks on tour. So was it quite four months? Nearly four months. Yeah. Long enough. Definitely. Longest I've ever been away from home. Is that your first big musical? Yeah. I mean, I guess I still don't think of it as... It's been as commercial as what it was. It was huge. And we, there's so much thrown into it. There's so much time spent. The rehearsal process was incredible. And it's been done before. So, you know, Stephen and James described this as the definitive version of Sunshine right. on Leith. So they've obviously had 10 years to think about it. Is it that long? Yeah, oh 10 years. So, I mean, not... There was a lot more kind of modern references and stuff. And the arrangements were different. Yeah. I think they think this is the version that will be it for a while. Right. Um, Does that yeah. mean that there is more coming? Uh, who knows? That they may think there might be. Well, there was a co-production between the West Yorkshire Playhouse and Phil McIntyre Entertainments. Mm -hmm. So I've, again, I've never done anything like that. On, but the scale of the houses that we played, that's, that was certainly new to me, like playing the Kings. and. It's great. Yeah. Was it packed? Every night. It was incredible. And that thing of coming out to, like that feeling of the guaranteed packed house, like knowing that it's going to be packed, I suppose after a certain point in the run, you just begin to assume that it's always going to be busy, yeah? Well, we knew early on that right. it was selling really well. That's and just amazing. Like Based on the film and yeah. the, the show that had come before, uh, people were just very desperate to see it again. And it was a night out for people. And yeah. I think that's what I loved about it. It was... Uh, Oh, very theatrical. It had, you know, it was a brilliant show, but you knew that the people that were coming to see it were, they'd planned it for months. Yeah, it was their big night out. We had hen parties. We had yeah. like a wedding reception come as part. Really? of Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like being in Mamma Mia or something. <laughs> yeah. Do people sing along? Yes. Yes. Yeah, and it, it's lovely, and there's a sense of ownership, especially when we got up to Scotland. I think on of the show, there was a um. I was really nervous bringing it up to Edinburgh. Yeah. Doing it in Leeds was one thing, but bringing it up the road that first time, you're thinking, oh my God, what are they, what are they going to like it? Is it, 
is it what they've been expecting and is it what they've been waiting for? Absolutely. Which I've definitely never never had to, never experienced before. But I suppose the, the first time the show was done, there must have been a, a great wait like that as well because it wasn't just about the show, it was about the, the material of the songs. Absolutely. This inherent Scottishness and then going, this is what we've done with it. I mean, can you imagine walking on stage and... For the first time, that first that, yeah. cast. Oh. Yeah, and the thing is, it was really beautiful because a couple of us stayed with the first cast in Dundee. Oh, so I amazing. stayed with Emily Winter, Did who you? played Yvonne. Oh. Uh, Hilary, who was... Um, Hilary stayed with Annie. Right. Um, Annie Louise Ross and... John stayed with Barry Hunter. So there's a few of us who'd kind of just people that were had been part of the process in the first place. Taking it to Dundee was probably even more nerve wracking than taking it to, to Edinburgh. Oh, oh I actually. thought so, yeah. You, was Edinburgh the first stop in the Scottish part? Yeah, it was right, okay. I. Yeah. In a way, that's that's a, a softer in than Dundee, I think. Given yeah. the show's history, you know. Apart from when you know the, one of the proclaimers is going to be there. <gasps> but we met their manager and stuff. He was great. Uh, Kenny. Oh, it was just a really lovely, lovely time. Yeah, that's brilliant. And then, were they? Was that their only involvement in the in the production? You didn't? They weren't involved in the. No, not in this like version. That. No, I think when they first did it, I think what James and Stephen had to kind of take to the manager and the proclaimers and say, "Here's what we're going to do with your show." Yeah, it was a very different thing. But they knew it had it was a brilliant winning show by this point. Of course, and then the film as well. Like you, you've got all that behind you. Yeah, that's all positive. I mean, I, I quite liked it because my character was very different in the show than what she was in the film. Right. <clears throat> Which was, yeah, really good for me to play with because I knew that if anyone was coming to see the show based on the film, the Liz they were they were going to get was very different. Mm-hmm. It, um, like they missed out certain songs. She was less politically minded in the film, and and Stephen, you know, made sure that was all there. Stephen and James, we mm-hmm. had to work hard to. Uh, yeah, that that was really it's a really important part of the show. And you didn't then have that experience of of joining a musical where you're told stand there, do this. Totally. This is your light you were creating. Absolutely, even right. though it has been done before. But it was is, a new production, really, wasn't yeah, it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They had EJ doing movement. Um, yeah, a new arrangements uh, by David Shrubsoul. Um and yeah, it went right back to we had the band on stage with us, so we had a seven-piece band who were incredible. Um, and we had a couple of the guys and girls, um, actor musical all the way through. So it was brilliant. Tremendous. Mm. Did you ever think you would do something like that, like when you were starting out, being being a musical of that kind of scale and that level of importance, I suppose, in our culture? I feel really really lucky like my first job when I graduated was the choir at the sets yeah yeah and I guess there's you could compare the two of those shows quite easily mm-hmm. except that the choir wasn't what you would call a jukebox musical if you want to call the sunshine only that which we wouldn't but yeah okay. it's, it's songs that have been out there already that they've been put together it was original songs and I kind of thought oh no one's going to top that to do a Scottish musical mm-hmm. with songs by Ricky Ross, written by Paul Higgins, in the sets, directed by Dominic, to do a new Scottish musical was the most incredible, just after graduating, which is kind of all I ever wanted to do. Yeah, especially because we don't get new Scottish musicals just coming along all the time. Exactly. That's a rare thing in itself. Totally. And then for Sunshine and Leith to come back and to kind of go, all right, this is it. Like, maybe just kind of up a few levels and just in terms scale, of scale yeah. yeah, and expectation, of course. Well, that's true. I suppose when the choir came out, um, it could be anything. Yeah. In terms of audiences, there wasn't any preconceived idea of what it should be or totally. could be. But what was so beautiful with that, it was word of mouth. Again, so many people come back to see that show because it just made them feel good mm-hmm. in the same way that Sunshine on Leith made people feel really good. And yeah. at the end, they were up out of their seats again, just celebrating life, you mm. know? And I think that's, I feel really privileged to have done shows that are accessible and I think it is songs, isn't it? Like for me, I think the the power of song and singing in these shows just yeah, it moves people and, and when we're all clearly having such a brilliant time on stage. Yeah, of course. That that you know, reads. You kinda hope that it carries, yeah. It does. And the, and I think I've found that the power of music transcends, you know, language and 
and words really mm -hmm. doesn't it and i suppose that's why characters and musicals sing is because they they kind of run out of speech well that's it isn't it that's the, the when there's nothing left to say sing it sing it yeah if you can't convey it so of course that's the most powerful tool you've got but then what's so incredible about these proclaimer songs is that the poetry the the, the lyrics um and the, obviously the music the, the whole thing it's just it you, you'd finish your 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 dialogue and you just wanted to sing them you yeah. know it was next it was like i just have to say this one last bit okay i'm going to sing it and we've got a big ba beautiful brilliant band and yeah. someone might be dancing but the, the balance was was always there well then that's good writing isn't it well, it's good writing of the songs of but it's also then good writing that, that leads you into them and yeah. stuff um i spoke to Stephen actually and he was saying about the the manager fellow that you were talking about there mm -hmm. being just or all of them being so receptive initially because whatever they just said yeah go for it yeah. and he was expecting them to be much more reticent yeah. um but then i suppose if they've seen the the success of that original production and, and enjoyed it and appreciated it then they're keen for you to do more yeah and why not and i think it was a really lovely thing for james to want to do it again because it was the last show that they'll be doing and well, that they've done in the Quarry Theatre at the old West Yorkshire Playhouse, which is now going to become the Leeds Playhouse. Ah. So that's it shut down. So he wanted a show that was all about home and connection and community and um, yeah, the troop of Scottish people down in Leeds having a ball for 11 weeks and putting on a show that was, yeah, I think it did everything he wanted it to do, which is the main thing. And of course... The cliched question is, did you all get on like one big happy family? I think we did, Paul, actually. <laughs> I mean, what you always you say, say you that. You're not going to say it. You always say that, but then you're like, if I think we all got on, what if it was me? They do say that, though. If you don't know who it is, it's probably you. Right. Oh, no. Moving on. It was never you. There's no way. <laughs> what What was Ricky Ross's involvement in the choir? Was he involved in the production? In what way? I mean, he wrote obviously the music, but mm. did he musically direct it or was he in rehearsal? Or He'd come into rehearsals, I. Right, but he wasn't there all the time? No. Um, him and Paul would dot in and out. Mm -hmm. um, and David Hyam, who was MD on that, worked really closely with Ricky yeah. uh, to yeah arrange the songs for us. So he would come in and have it. It was the most brilliant thing. Like I remember getting the demos for the choir. And... Uh, yeah, I just got sent these tracks with Ricky Ross and Lorraine McIntosh singing. Wow. And I was like, nobody's here to see this. Nobody else is here. I'm listening on my own at home. <laughs> going, like, yeah. Um, so that, 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 I think once he'd done the songs, they were handed over essentially. Right. But he still came in and <clears throat> gave his input on, on certain, yeah, just where he wanted the song to go and what it meant to him mm -hmm. and all that. So, he was very proactive, but he definitely wasn't directing us in any way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's amazing. I mean, how many people get the experience of sitting down with those demos? Oh, I know. You know, and just sitting there uncovering that. I know, it was incredible. That's so rare. And it was like the day I was singing for the Sits Gala. Um, there was this big gala dinner that they did last year. And Dominic invited myself and Ryan Fletcher along to do a wee song from the choir. And we only had a kind of... And then Ricky asked if we would do backing vocals on a song for him. I remember. Uh, yeah. Oh, you were there. Of course I was there. Brian. Yeah, Jesus. but it's no, but I wouldn't stop you because you can explain. Not yeah. everybody was there. No, that's true. Oh God, that was the first time I met you. That's right. And then we started working together the next week, that's which right. was funny. I, you were doing working with Blythe. Yeah, we had a wee song that we wrote. That's right. Oh, God, it feels like ages ago. It does it? feel a long time ago. But you, so that the backing vocal thing was just an off the cuff. Thing. An off the cuff thing. Oh, and we got amazing. to go round his house and it was the only place we could rehearse. And I wasn't quite getting this. Um, when will you make my phone ring? That's that's the song. And they have that incredible gospel mm -hmm. singing on it. And when they're on tour, Lorraine sings it. But I just wasn't quite getting the harmony. So Ricky was like, hey, can you come through, Lorraine? And uh, just... Uh, just let Nishley hear it and I was like okay I'll get my phone out <laughs> oh my lord and she's just casually you know the pair of them just singing in the living room and I think Ryan and I kind of looked at each other just thought this is just brilliant isn't it it's one of those when you get those moments yeah. I, totally but totally. then I suppose you think when you think about it realistically what else would they of course they would just sing it 
you know, know. But we we have. But if it's a, created it's an album that you've grown heads. up with, yeah. and it's these songs, and you kind of go, it's from somewhere else. It's not totally. from down the road in somebody's living room. Totally. But that's the magic of music again, isn't it? Uh, it, it, it transcends yeah. living rooms and people where people live, and it doesn't you know, it's from it's yeah. bigger, isn't it? Yeah. It's those little moments that I just you never want them to feel normal. Yeah, I guess so. You've got to keep the you gratitude high. You never want high. stuff like that to feel normal. Yeah. But it doesn't because I think because it, each one is so different. Yeah. Like I have pinched me moments, but one is so different from the next that you go, it's the same as, as the weird moments. Like once a week or so, I'll have a moment where I go, this has got to be the weirdest thing yet. <laughs> you know, you're in, you're dressed as a tub of butter and you're on a has on the wing of a plane. actually happened No, but I mean, you? hey, it won't be long. <laughs> and you go, this is weird. Like I thought last week was weird. This is weird. And then the next week, you know, it's something weirder. <laughs> I think it's the same the with the magic. The lack of specifics there is, is, is a bit... Is that worrying to you? Uh, no. Well, you know, you've seen me in stuff, you've been in stuff with me where... I know, you big furry goat. Exactly, you're dressed as a goat, you're playing an accordion and you're quite normally just, you know, making suggestions about choreography and then suddenly you go, this is the weirdest one yet, but it's not. Well, it is, but then next week will be something else. I know. So it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And it, we were rehearsing together after that sets thing when you went off to audition for Sunshine and Leith. That's right. That's a pretty magical thing, isn't it? To be doing one great and challenging job and then to, to find out that you've got the next one. Oh, I know. I mean, how many of us, you know, that's relatively rare as well. What a joy. Yeah, I have been really, really lucky. And I think about it all the time, like how lucky you are to go. If, But I've always tried to keep it in perspective that if it's a year and a half, two years of going from job to job, brilliant job to brilliant job, mm. that will stop. And actually it has stopped right now <laughs> so i can have to be like ah oh, here we go yeah but you don't i mean doesn't have to but stop I mean, stop like it just means it ebbs and flows doesn't it like figuratively it genuinely has like right now yes you know there's there's not that one coming up mm-hmm. that you've not had to deal with for a long time and it'd be like a couple of weeks until the next one or whatever um that sense of security is incredible but you know <laughs> it's, it's not forever, it's is it? It's not forever. How do you deal with those in-between times when, when you do get them? Like on a sort of a personal level or, or emotionally or mm. mentally? Well, I'm a mum to an incredibly brilliant nearly nine-year-old. Very who, brilliant, I may <laughs> say. Uh, yeah, she's, yeah she's, she's great. Smart cookie. She is a smart cookie, but she's also keeps me in place and... And you know, being away for four months, that was tough. Yeah, yeah. And it was tough on everybody. And I, th- we are very lucky that we have an incredible support network around, um, around us. And I always have done. So Sam has always been looked after by family and friends. Mm-hmm. We've never had to reach out to anyone that we don't know yeah which is obviously also financially incredibly brilliant but take that aside yeah yeah that aside she's always surrounded by people that love her and care for her and care for us and and they're just supportive about the career in general because i didn't start my acting career until after i'd had sam yeah uh again it's kind of mostly all that she knows she was she was three when i went to drama school and um yeah, this four, this four months was really hard, but, and I don't know, I don't know what it was like before, before I had Sam and before I, I got into the acting and all that, <laughs> but the level of dialogue surrounding parents in the performing arts just seems to have exploded. Oh yeah, definitely. That feels like quite a recent, to me that feels quite recent. Again, you know, is it things Maybe that just wasn't noticing? I, I know. We <laughs> I don't know. I've not done the research or anything, but yeah. I do. It does seem that it's such an important conversation that's being had at the moment. Um, and again, I feel so grateful because everyone is so understanding. Mm. Directors, fellow actors, uh, most companies. Like the other day when I was doing a, a great bit of development at the Tron and Leslie, my partner, she had booked a driving lesson in and we thought, oh, God, clashing, what are going to do? And just took her in with me for an hour. Simple. Simple. Yeah. You couldn't really do that in many jobs, other jobs. 
No, I suppose not. You know, while you've got that kind of scary bit of, uh, what do I do at night time when I've got a kid? How do I do all my performances? How do I do all that kind of stuff? But you can just say, look, I just need a wee bit of help here. She's going to sit in a corner and put her on my iPad and she can, or she'll read a book. Read a book, not on an iPad, clearly. <laughs> um, ideally. Ideally. Uh, yeah, but I mean. Or watch, actually. Well, she's fascinated she, as well, yeah. which doesn't hurt. No, it doesn't hurt at all. But and I, she's also very judgy. Is she really? Did she give you notes? Aye. What did she say? I liked it when you did that bit better, that bit before, that was better before, or oh. nah, not really. They're so much better than that bit, and then you can go, right, fine, try it. She's not afraid? No. We went, she was up at NTS once when I was, last year, and I think I wasn't there, but she turned around to Emma, our stage manager, and who else was it? Alison and said, Is my mummy any good at this? <laughs> <laughs> I hope they said yes. I think they did. Is that Emma Scare? Emma Scare. Ah, she'd be kind to you. Oh, she's my favourite. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she was three Sam was three when you started drama school. Yeah. How did you navigate that? Oh gee. Well, I don't know what that noise was. Um <laughs> I liked it. I was trying not to say anything bad. <laughs> um I, again, really lucky. So Sam's granny lived in Glasgow. We were living in Stirling at the time after I had Sam, I took her. Mm-hmm. Sam was born in Glasgow, we moved back to Stirling. And then I got a great job up at McRobert Arts Centre. And so before I decided to do the acting, I was box office manager for various venues. Started at the Arches and then went through to McRobert and Stirling. Right. Um, yeah, and I'd worked in other various places. But... Um, they were doing a production of Carousel and it was my 30th was coming up. So I decided to join their production and it was fine. It was only one night a week and a rehearsal on a Saturday or a Sunday. So my mum or my brother or someone looked after Sam for me. What, like an Amdram production? An Amdram production, oh, yeah, I yeah. See. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bridgeville and Operatic Society. Oh. They were lovely. And they. Uh, Yes, we did. So I did that and then saw that the RCS, Royal Conservatoire, were doing a production of Carousel. Came through to see it. Loved it. And thought I'd apply. And not a chance in hell did I think I was going to get in. For musical theatre? For musical theatre, yeah. I thought I'll have a weekend in Glasgow, book myself into the Citizen M. <laughs> Didn't tell anyone I was doing it. Um... Sam was staying with her granny, I think. Yeah, and then I just thought, right, fine, go do this. And it was brilliant. And I got in. And then I thought, ah, right. <laughs> now I have to do it. What are we going to do now? Oh, this is the difficult part. And then I told um, Sam's gran, uh, who stayed in Glasgow, this is her dad's mum, mm-hmm. and told them all about it. And she said, if you move close to us, we'll help you. So that was it, you know, and so from the very beginning, like I said, the support network around me has been brilliant. My wee neighbour, Jacqueline, would pick me and Sam up in the morning, take me round, drop Sam off, and then because her work was close to the, the conservatoire, would drop me off every morning. Wow. So, we, you know, little things like that just make your day so much easier. It meant inevitably, I was in... I was in uh, uh, RCS an hour before people would get in. So although I couldn't maybe do as much work at night, I always had that hour in the morning to get myself ready, mm-hmm. not having to rush out the house. So I, I, lots of things were just easier. Yeah. The, well, not being very easy at all. You know, learning lines when you're putting a wee kid to bed at 9, yeah. 10, 11, who doesn't want to sleep. I'm, I know I'm not alone in that. Mm. But you are a wee bit behind you know, so you're never really going to be the one that's totally off book very quickly. <laughs> How are you learning lines anyway, though? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's another wee noise. I think I'm more of a, I was never very academic. Loved reading. Loved, loved reading. But sometimes I couldn't tell you what happened two pages that I just, like before that I just read. So I'm not very good at retaining it. But if I'm moving with it, so kinetically, yes, I'm fine. So if I know start... what my actions are, if I like, yeah, yeah. like act, literal actions as well as actions, but um, yeah, no, I'm, f- I'm, I'm okay. I find, I find learning lines for auditions quite tricky in that respect. Yeah, I do too. And because I always, it's always like right before it as well. I don't, like over time, I'll know most lines in the show. Yeah. They stick in my head totally. quite easily, but it's over time. That night before thing. Yeah, and I kind of th- I'm starting to kind of get to a point where it's like it's not a memory exercise. Well, yeah, this is it. Yeah, you know, and if you're going to get redirected in an audition, 
don't really know if I want to make a million choices before I go into the room anyway. And um, it will always throw me. If I've tried to learn my lines and I get a bit of redirection, I'll need to get my pages back out. So I know now just to kind of have them in my hand. And That's kind of I feel I if I've learn prepared it, then... enough, if I've prepared yeah. enough, if I feel like I've genuinely spent days and I might not know it, but you don't want to apologise to the director when you walk in and say, look, I'm really sorry, I don't know my lines, but I can assure you I've spent days on this. Yeah. I've researched, I've, I've, I've done a lot of work, but you, you'd never apologise when you go in the room, obviously. Well, of course. You know, but I you, have a touch of laryngitis today. <laughs> never good. Um, you just kind of wish you could say that sometimes. Because yeah. you know that some people can learn lines so easily. Very yeah. jealous of them. Ah, yeah, but there's more important things, surely. Because you get them learnt in the end, don't you? Aye, that's if you get the job. Oh, well, there is that. Aye. They say that the, an actor's only happy one once in life is the moment they're told they got the job. Oh, do you believe that? I don't know. I think sometimes a good audition can be just as beneficial even if you don't get the job. I think if you know you did well, like, yeah. I find it much easier to let a thing go if I feel I did well, if I did my best. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I don't mean let it go if I didn't get it, but after the audition to just let it go out of my head because yeah. I go well look there's nothing else I could have done so and I just get on with it you know Yeah. but the other ones I don't know they play on your mind a bit more I could have done that I should have done that. yeah definitely but you have to learn to let it go don't you you do otherwise you'd go you'd go crazy like because we're doing it all the time yeah so then when you get the job um, you, do you start to do a lot of reading around the topic and you want to you, because you were talking about loving reading and stuff mm. you're, you're a researcher yeah well, it depends i mean like i didn't particularly do an awful lot of research f- for liz and sunshine on leith mm-hmm. apart from well actually do you know what i did have to do with that one was she was 25 and i'm 36 so <laughs> there was a bit of me that was like I had to go back a wee bit yeah so actually you know james and i well, he didn't struggle i struggled he he knew what he wanted and it was it was brilliant and like the challenge with Liz and the research and the going, to, oh God, I'm trying to say, is uh, what what does a 25 year old like these days? Mm. Yeah. What are they into? <laughs> you know. Because I have no idea. And a 25 year old who was very different from myself as a 25 year old, you know, because clearly you're not the same person. But um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what what music? It was like, I, t- I kind of, I go to Google to find out what uh, was number one when Liz would have been born and it was two unlimited, no limits. And you kind of go, oh God, I was in primary seven. I was dancing away to that, you know, it was a, a... Yeah, I think, yeah, I remember, well, I remember quite distinctly that song being there. So yeah, there was, a, I guess that would be the research I kind of did do mm-hmm. for that kind of character. But like, um, Adam, the play I did last year, that involved a whole incredible amount of research. Um, Must have been a massive amount of learning for that. I mean, about learning about stuff. Yeah, for sure. But then, of course, we had Adam himself. Yeah, that's in true. the play, and I was, and every single person has their own experience with that. So I was just very mindful of reading as much and researching as much about everybody, so that when I came in, I felt more informed mm-hmm. about Adam's experiences. But then you realise, I don't know impossible to be too informed well you, know, that's it. you like, can read as much as you want can't you yeah so what was your experience once you started that rehearsal process must it can't have been very like any other process must have been so unique yeah um the workshop we did a week's workshop before either of us got the part which is odd because it's a story about him oh, really? a play about him yeah um initially adam wasn't going to be in the play mm-hmm. he'd given cora the his story and they couldn't find an actor to to play the part of Adam. And he put himself forward. And in this time, I'd, I'd auditioned to be the female element of Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in, in the December. So I'd been, I'd been waiting for a wee while. And obviously, desperate, desperate to get this part. Mm-hmm. I'd wanted to work with Cora for so long. So I'd, I'd, and I, I'd been a big admirer of Cora's when I worked at the Archies and as she was kind of emerging as a, as a theatre maker back then um, and the, yeah, this, oh, this incredible opportunity, this incredible story and um, 
Ian, we did a workshop together for a week. It was just brilliant. I mean, we turned up on the, on the first day in our matching jackets, matching Burgundy Doc Martens and rucksacks and had our hair tied back in the same way. And I, Jesus, this is, this is kind of cool. It's got to be a good sign, right? Because <laughs> he was just as nervous as I was about getting yeah. the part of himself. Hacker, he'd never, he'd never acted before. So there was so much... I think because there was so much pressure on a week of workshop that it became less pressurised, if that's at all possible. You know, you go mm -hmm. into it with a high level of expectation, but actually it was so unique. Yeah. And I think after the first or second day, we realised it was so incredibly unique that the pressure was off and we started to enjoy the exploration of how would you manage a room where you're delving into someone's life every day and that person is there. It's there, yeah. And they're not the nicest things. No. I think because you know there's a, ultimately a happy ending. Sure. And we knew that for a fact. You know, we, we knew Adam, we know Tony. And and it was a celebration. Ultimately, it was an absolute celebration of life. Uh, but yeah, every day, kind of going, I, I don't know if I can ask you this. I don't know. Kind of hoping he might tell me himself. Mm. Be, But then... If, uh, that's we become I think the the actors that you know if you're used to working in a room kind of might notice that I need a question answered that I might not be able to articulate sure or the director will see that you know and, and Cora was brilliant at doing that of course but yeah in the end every question I, I wanted to ask got answered but it took a while to yeah find the rhythm of that I think that I would imagine that would be one of my biggest challenges in a situation like that is having a million questions and not knowing what ones I could ask, how to ask the ones I could ask. I mean, but then I suppose that's all that all comes with is doing your little bit of research as well because you be as armed as you can be. Yeah. Maybe in a more general sense, I suppose. Um, gen it was probably too general, actually. Yeah, yeah. Because it's emotion, doesn't it? You just don't know how people deal with these things on the, in their own way. And yeah, the, 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 f the, the physical things are the physical aspects which will always be the same. But mm -hmm. every single person will react to them in a different way, you know, and uh, it was just, you know, again, that's what I mean. Like, I feel so lucky to have to have been part of that and to, to celebrate every day with Adam at the Traverse. Oh, my goodness. You know, people just so proud of him mm. watching his story for an, an, an hour and standing up in their seats and brilliant and just whooping and hollering and sobbing for this incredible human that I was able to stand beside and help tell his story, you know. That was a tremendously strong season to be part of. At the Trav. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought so. Yeah, just Oh, yeah. Met some incredible people that summer. So yeah. you went from the choir, the, what was it? Oh, I'm trying, I'm not sure about the timeline, but the choir didn't go straight to Adam, did it? No. What was the, what happened after the choir? A bit of mum time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, good. Yeah. Which I think, you know, is, again, was, wasn't too bad. We were, yeah, we were kind of readjusting, you know, coming out of drama school and then getting the play, getting the choir. And I thought, well, I mean, that wasn't my first job, but it was definitely, um, I'd done the Lyceum at Christmas when I graduated and that was fun. That was a nice wee step in and it was with Andrew Panton, who I knew really well. Oh, you did the BFG? I did. It That's was right, yeah. understudied, understudied. Did you go on? No. Nah. Not once. Not once. It does happen though. I mean, look at the Arabian Nights, the amount of days that we were nearly going to plans of understudies and we never did. I'm so grateful <laughs> that I didn't. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you only had to look at those plans and go, this is going to be crazy. I am so grateful that I didn't. So you never, well, you were on though in the BFG, like you were I part had of the, track, yeah, I, sure. I even played a mini accordion. So did I'm you? I'm proud of myself, yes. You'd, you'd been very proud of me. I had no idea. I played Happy Birthday and... Uh, Another brilliant thing that Claire McKenzie composed, but it was very simple. It was very cute. See, they keep all these things, these details from me because they know I'll kick off if I hear that somebody else is playing an accordion. You're, you're within monopoly. Within a certain radius of I me. I'm very picky. You're awfully good at it. <laughs> There's not many of you. No, this is it. I didn't know that. So so you did, that was your kind of first thing then? Yep. And then a bit of time off, then knew the choir was coming up. So. Yeah. Again, it's that lovely thing of going, okay, I'm not working right now, but I know this this incredible thing is about to happen. Um, yeah, and then a bit of quiet time again. It's quite hard, isn't it, to kind of think back. 
I had lots of lovely Oren, a couple of lovely Oren Moors, and um, I saw you in one uh, about a psychic or a fake psychic. I can't remember <laughs> yeah, which. Yeah, fake psychic with Alison Peels, I think. Yeah, yep. And Andrew Still. Yes, cracking team. Yes, totally. And it's these little things as well, you know. You do it for a couple of weeks, but to work with someone like Alison Peebles, yeah, you know, and that's and what Oremore gives us, though. Totally, you can work with these people who are like the cornerstones of our industry, absolutely, for a couple of weeks, and mm-hmm. it's just this, and it's just the most normal thing in the world. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? Because like, I didn't study acting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did, but I had a class a week, and I had a great teacher. But when you do graduate and you kind of find yourself doing all these plays and you're going like do you want me just to sing something i'm, I'm quite good at that but like <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm all right at that but um when you start to work with people who've been doing it for such a long time you're taking it all in totally you're oh, yeah. soaking it all up all the time and and the way that they are in a room how they take risks what their choices are what changes seen some you know and so yeah like Oren Mora had um Alison Peebles and Polly Knowles as two females to work beside and, mm-hmm. and their craft is just brilliant yeah you know oh, there's yeah. just Amazing. no denying it um and you have these lovely little four-week bursts of learning I know it's but that's what we're I think you're right about the beginning of the the first few years you just it's like an apprenticeship totally and you'd be wise to sort of step back sometimes and just watch definitely these amazing people so you've done, uh, what one did you do with Polly Knowles? We Free, the musical. Oh, who wrote that? At Clive King and Hilary Brooks. Ah, right. They did Melania recently. That Which I one. didn't get to see, but I heard it was brilliant. That was the second, I think that was the week after. The, the week after the, this, is that a certain musical that you wrote? Ah, we're not getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just putting it on the timeline in my head. I yes, wasn't yes, like yes. name dropping it. Yeah. <laughs> you've done a bit of telly as well though, haven't you? Nah. I thought you did. Nah. Do your research, pal. I never do. It's just all free and easy. I've done a couple of short films, but no TV. Yeah, I must have seen one of them and then thought. Aye, yeah. that's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> Would you like to? Yes. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, sure. But there's, I think when you're in that, when you get seen for TV, then you continue to get seen for TV. And if you've not been seen for TV yet, it's quite hard to break. I definitely get that sense, yeah. Yeah, I don't know though. Well, you wouldn't, would you? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, how are you going to know? Of course, I'd love to know. Who wouldn't? Um, I think the thing about TV that's quite exciting is if it's something kind of long term, is that total character, yeah, that building that you'd get to get to know them really well. Uh, but also that one one thing happens, you know, like a scene, for example, you do that one day, yeah, and then that's that done. Yeah, it's the next thing. I mean, I'm an animal of like, let's practice that get it right and then let's do it 50 times or hundreds of times mm-hmm. and and just adjust it and tweak it as we go along like i'm into that i did it i was telling you about a wee bit of improvised telly i was doing and i couldn't it all happened so quickly i'm going is that can i know that, that's <laughs> it done. Try it again no there's no time <laughs> no there's no time lunch that's it and they're doing another thing it's in time and money isn't it i think well look how many people are hanging about like not hanging about but there because of it and working and you know. i don't know i've not seen you, you wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> oh, that's wow. rough. I went down a conversational cul-de-sac there. Oh. <laughs> wow. How was your, when you were working as a box office manager, what was your attitude towards theatre as an industry? Did you feel like you were outside of something that you wanted to be inside? Did, had you not realised yet? Yeah, I guess I did. But um, I think I'd just grown quite accustomed to the fact it was something I wasn't going to ever do mm-hmm. and it was something I'd wanted to do when I was much younger right and that that went away or I thought it'd gone away yeah. and a, a very practical need to make money and survive and in my head it was never going to be acting or singing uh, so I you know, focused on getting work that, and I became you know i'd go in as a member of staff and suddenly i'd find myself manager and i thought oh, God, i must be quite good at this so and i do stick enjoy it i'll stick to this um and i loved i loved being i loved being in theaters my first like box office job was uh, apart from at the fringe was at the kings in glasgow and you had to walk over the stage to get to the box office in the morning to open it up and i would always take my time <sighs> 
he just kind of casually wander over or round the back and yeah. when the big sets were in, you know, you just take a wee moment, a wee breath oh. and then go and sell tickets for other shows. Did you not find that really difficult? I think I would. I just think I felt that a little bit of my heart still felt happy to be involved in some way. Yeah. yeah. I hadn't ever tried to be a professional actor at this point. I hadn't yeah. tried and failed or anything, sure. you know, so I knew it was only myself that was stopping that from happening. Yeah, I suppose that's different from so, having tried and failed. Exactly. Very so different. there was no heartbreak at, yeah. uh, in, that, in that respect. So, yeah, that was very... I can't imagine what it would be like now. I mean, I'd love to work in a box office now if there was flexible shifts enough that would let you work there and sure, yeah. go to auditions and stuff like that because I do love it. And box office is really unique in that sense that you're kind of like the middle of a theatre. You have to speak to marketing, you speak to your audiences, mm-hmm. you're programming you know you'd get fed information from all the different bits so you really knew what was going on in a building when you worked in a box office and you get people from the audience my sense is you get people from the audience giving you feedback as well absolutely telling you they loved it but also the opposite yeah didn't like it or want want their money money back back. i've heard people say that they hear they want their money back yeah people really do that yeah they do that wasn't what i was expecting wow how could you possibly know what you're expecting i don't know but the best bit is just saying well i'm really sorry try again (laughs) You know, would you like to book something for next week? Well, yeah, or or I mean, the panto punters, they're the they were always kind of my favourite one to kind of go right. You've been here once, you've had a really good time. Do you want to come back and see something else? Yeah, well, that's the end, isn't it? But that's, that's mm, just... some people just go to the panto, yeah. Oh yeah. But do people come up after the panto and say that wasn't what I expected or whatever? I want my money back. Do you ever get that? Nah, not really. People are fairly well satisfied. Yeah. Well, the ones at McRobert were the Johnny McKnight panto, so everyone was always very happy. I would say so. <laughs> so if you could do anything now, if you could plot out your career for the next year, what would it look like? I guess, do you know what? The telly thing would be nice. Yeah. I think it... I. But yeah, I'd like to if that was an option at some point to be seen for it to get because it's the same as auditions isn't it i don't know if i'd have a clue what to do Mm. when i go into a tv audition it's a different world isn't it completely yeah or actually get back into doing some gigs singing yeah just singing for the sake of singing Mm -hmm. just sing some good songs get a party a band get a piano going and get out there and just do some gigs write some music yes did you write before a little bit what kind of thing uh, well, I studied um, contemporary music performance at Perth College when I was young. Ah, so right. just like lyrics and stuff when you've been in bands and I'm not, an, don't play any, any instruments. A little bit of ukulele and a little bit of guitar, but that's just so that you can say that when you go into auditions. Oh yeah, I bet they're on your spotlight. Uh, they aren't actually. Are they not? No. Nah. Very bold. Maybe that's what I'll do for the rest of the year. Update your spotlight? No, I did All that. right. <laughs> <laughs> Add fake instruments. No. no, you mean work on your work on your instrumentation. Yeah, that's a good. good idea. Yeah. What would you take? Would you take a class, or would you just sit and noodle until stuff starts to happen? Well, I sat and noodled away before, and it got me quite far. And then something comes up, and you stop playing, and you go back, and you're like, ah. And yeah. the, you know the wee calluses in your finger come, and then you you're you know going, your yeah. chord placement's all fine, and you're you're getting it going, and then all of a sudden you go back, you think I can't remember what an E is now you got to do it every day, otherwise it just goes. I know. I have that with recording still after 20 years. Like, if I, if I leave it a couple of That's days. That's what makes people really good musicians though, isn't it? Keep them plugging away. Yeah. But you have to want to, I think. Like, I, I pick up the accordion because it's something I do to, like, de-stress. How, it's how I fill my time. so fiddly, but... They're all fiddly. People say to me, what's the easiest musical instrument? What easy musical instrument could I play? And my answer is always the same. You're asking the wrong, quite, like, you're barking up the wrong tree. <laughs> If you want to play a musical instrument, it's going to be hard. If you want to be, do in. you think you've put your ten thousand hours in? I don't know. I think if I had to put my ten thousand hours in, I'd hope I'd be better. <laughs> so no, I hope you not. You never tried to think about it. Mm, not really. I mean, I think I'd be scared to think about it in case I have put my ten thousand hours in because then <laughs> I'd be like <laughs> disappointed with the outcome. Because at the moment, I'm I'm bitterly disappointed with how not good I am at it. I oh, want to be so much better, but I think that keeps me driving on because there's no part of me that goes, "Well, I've got that licked." Yeah, but you're not. You're not defined by your accordion playing. You're kind of multi-skilled, so I guess you have to... Yeah, I mean, I can cook a good risotto. Very good, very good. Yeah, I suppose not. I mean, I, I do worry about being defined by the accordion playing a wee bit, but I shouldn't worry, I mean, because it gets me in many, many doors. 
How do you mean? Just by, you know, I don't want to be the accordion guy forever. I'd like to be the guy sometime. Doesn't have an accordion strapped to him. Possibly. I mean, when we did the Arabian Nights, I, at one point I was like, this is just the sheer weight of this. And the fact that it's on me most times I walk on this stage. Oh, you mean the physical weight of it? Yeah, yeah. Not, not the, not the not emotional the, the weight. weight of the emotional weight of my plane. No, that I've that I've worked on. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's what therapy's for. But the actual physical weight of it, and my back was done in, and every time I was lying in the wings, like lying on my I back remember. in between scenes, and I think this is a lot, isn't it? <laughs> on you were also rake. dancing in the wings, though. So let's say uh, I shouldn't have sent you that video the other day. Oh, that I wasn't thinking about that, but yeah, that's Remind. right. So you Why, did. What other dance? Oh, we used to have a dance we when did. we met we in had the wings. Yeah, we did. Well, that was a show where we had a lot of crossover, a lot of wing, a lot of wing time. A lot of wing time. <laughs> we were up the back in the quick change. We used to solve the problems of the world. We did. That's good when you have that. It is good. There's little especially at Christmas moments. time, Aye. when there's a lot of weight to be of the world to be put into rights. Oh, absolutely. Well, the emotional weight of my accordion, <laughs> if, if nothing else. <laughs> yes, you could. You could spend that when you've got time off. You could work on your uh, ukulele and guitar. I know. I really should. I think my agent would be really happy if I did that. And you could write more? What, like songs? Yeah. Yeah, but it's more lyrics, isn't it? What kind of lyrics did you write? Um, I'm not telling you. <laughs> I love you, I miss you. Oh, probably. Do <laughs> you ever get that when you look back at the stuff you've written when you're I much younger? I don't keep it. Oh, do you not? No. For that reason? I don't. I, I like. I'm terrible enough when it comes to writing a text message. Like, I... Uh, or, a, or a WhatsApp. Or, yeah, or you put, are. Putting stuff on social media. Nestle is typing. Fear, anxiety about it. Because then it's there, isn't it? It is. It really is. I mean, you can delete it, so it's not really there. But uh, I don't I, know. I, I when a text message has been sent or something. Yeah, and the thing is, it's inflection, isn't it? So you, I spend so much time kind of going, I hope they get what I mean. Because it could be read in so many different ways. It's nice when you can imagine someone's voice saying it. That, and, that's why know. I send people voice notes. Oh, they are very good, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> That's what, yeah. But I think actors send each other voice notes so they can do skits. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, oh, I'm really busy. I don't have to. You look at the length of it. <laughs> Go, two and a half minutes. I can't. Nah. No, just text me. Tell me what's going on. Yeah. I don't need all the Get impressions the and bits. stuff. I don't do impressions. Do you like hanging out with actors? Hmm. Of course I do. <laughs> like, no, of course I do. Yeah, I mean, they're your friends, aren't they? Like... It's just a person, isn't it? <laughs> well, it is, yeah. But I mean, the, the reason I ask is because um, I was hanging out like with a pal of mine who's not an actor and and her flatmate and we were chatting and stuff. And she said when I left, the pal said, oh, he's nice. He's a bit too quick, though. And I'm quick. not talking myself up. But like I do things like the actors do all the time or comedians where you, you call back to something early in the conversation to make a joke about it. or uh-huh. And then you start to realise not everybody does that. Yeah. You know, like that thing where you're you're trying to be funny and witty and you're trying to be as original and zingy and all that stuff, all that try-hard stuff that we do. Oh, but see, that, that's what makes us very different because I'm quite quiet. You're not interested in that. No. Nah. But then you are much more secure in yourself and have a very fragile ego. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> I'm I am joking. deeply insecure. Um, aren't we all, though? Yeah. Do you think? As people or as actors? Oh, I think we just talk about it more. Yeah, I think I we have a freedom so. and... It's part of our job, isn't it, to to discuss and explore versions of of people that we might be making up in our head, but you've got to take it from somewhere. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it. In a way, it is, it's like its own therapy, isn't it? That yeah. We're, we're very good at talking to each other about each other and about how we feel. <laughs> but then you also spend so much intense time with these people yeah. that you're working with. It's within two or three days, you find yourself sitting in a green room going, yeah, well, I mean... Well, the someone's thing with massaging my someone is, at the yeah, back. Someone, <laughs> someone's lying on the floor getting massaged and you're going, I mean, my relationship with my father, <laughs> I have to be honest. And you're like, I only met you three days ago. It's just mad. Yeah. It does happen though. It totally does. And that's without any alcohol. Yeah, I mean, don't even get started later on in the day. I know. <laughs> later on in the day. Goodness sakes. Yeah. Um... That's a very interesting question. Brian, Maybe we're it? no more insecure than anyone else, as you say. It's just that we have to mine it a little bit or that we choose to mine I cannot, it a little I mean, bit for I work. Think, yeah, but if you put yourself out there every day or whenever you're lucky enough to have the opportunity to put yourself out there in a room <laughs> with someone um, that you don't know, and sometimes that you do know, mm. and you might know them on a social level as well, and then you've suddenly got to work with them. That's or, possibly or, or scarier. Be, or be 
I mean, it's you don't ever want to say it, it's judging, do you? But to see if you're right for what they're looking for, and you know yeah. that person, like the ins- you have to be aware of your own insecurity a little bit to not let it consume you. Mm-hmm. Or allow yourself to be vulnerable Absolutely. in a safe way. Yeah, and it's, I think that's yeah. very unique to this profession, isn't it? I guess it is, yeah. I mean, unless you're unlucky enough to have to be going for a job interview after job interview in, in the yeah, non-active two or three world. A week. Yeah, which I'm sure well, some we people, all know yeah. does happen. Yeah, so that's true. Maybe it's just the same as that. But it's, a, it, I mean, for me, it's definitely a, a, a side, it's a byproduct of the whole thing because I didn't get into it to because I wanted to bear my soul or because I wanted to I wanted to get involved in self-exploration or stuff. Like, yeah. I love being on a stage. Yeah. I love the relationship with an audience. I like to pretend. Yeah. I love music and song and, you know, and lighting people up where possible. Lighting? Lighting people up, yeah. Oh, as in an audience or... Yeah, like giving someone a yeah. light inside them yeah. by making them laugh or sing or something. It wasn't about me kind of, you know, therapy mm. or whatever. But it does come as part of it. I think coming to it as an adult, like a fully formed, as much adult as I think I might ever be. Sure. I just didn't know what I'd been missing for so long. Yeah. And for the last four years, I've not been trying to find something else to fill that gap. Wow. You know, so... And, and and after I had Sam, that was that thing of, this is incredible. I love being a mother. But, yeah, there's still something missing. Mm-hmm. And this is it. So I had to do it. I had to try. I had to see what it was going to be like. And if I failed, I failed. If I still fail, I don't care. I did it. And I can tell her that I did it. I can tell myself that I did it. I say that I, I tried and that f- for the first time in my professional, and I, you, can't, I can't, fit, you can't even really compare professional to personal actually in this world. And that's the most incredible thing. I'm not looking for anything else. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know how to button that. There is no way. Mm. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Neshla Kaplan there, quite a quite an inspirational story I thought, especially hearing about her taking her time, crossing the stage at the Kings and then, you know, finally getting to play on that stage and what that means to her, to us, you know, um, and she has such gratitude for everything, which I think is just, a, it's a beautiful quality when people retain that, she's got that gratitude really strongly, so I love that, um, it was great to, to experience that with her and, and go back a little bit and see what brought her to, to where she is right now. So before I end another episode, I'll mention my sponsors, Purple Panda Media, who did my website and logo design. So have a look at those. And if you're looking for anything like that, please do check out purplepandamedia.com. Next week, uh, my guest is a director who grew up hanging around rehearsal rooms, parents both in the business. So have a wee think, who could that be? I'll leave you to have a wee ponder and try and figure it out. I don't often give you a clue, but there you go. Another guest next week, same time, same place. Thank you very much for being part of it. And I'll just say what I always say. Cheerio now.